Dear God, we bless you. We bless you with our every prayer. And as we humble our heads and bow down before you, we seek your promises in your word. Wash our hearts now. The promises of hope, of peace, of love and joy. Father, I've studied the word to teach me your will, but now the people don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you. Take this time, Lord God, and use it for your glory. I give you my heart, Lord. I give you the pieces of this story. Grant us your protection and knowledge from above. Grant us understanding and teach us how to love. And in the mystery of your goodness, we thank you for grace. Amen. So did anyone ever get into scrapbooking? Scrapbooking was like picture books. Thank you. <laughs> you could buy a kit and it was a photo album. And in the photo album, you could put your pictures and stickers and postcards, it had all different colored markers, and you would build a memory book. You'd pick out your pictures and arrange them on the page to recollect, uh, and you could either share it with someone or you could keep it for yourself. Now, I've done both. Uh, some of my personal memory books, they have stories, they have quotes, they have movie tickets or concert tickets, uh, but I keep it as a reminder of life's little moments. So today, we're gonna walk through the memory book or the story of Christ. Uh, so let us use scripture to retell the story of our Prince of Peace and the miracle of his birth. Uh, so we'll look at some special circumstances surrounding the anticipation of Emmanuel and the announcement of his birth. Uh, but as we reflect this month on the season of Advent, we will read and reread the same scripture through Luke as a humble embrace of this season. Uh, so I will be scripture heavy. If you miss a reference, let me know. I'd be happy to share my notes because uh, here at City Church, we do a systematic study and we take the word of God very seriously. Uh, so the title of my message today is Live Out Your Calling. Uh, to jumpstart, the question I want you to sit with, what if greatness and widespread recognition begins in radical, quiet obedience and embracing humility by choosing God's will over your own, by praising God in the difficulty of walking in obedience. Uh, so I'll begin in Matthew for context and historical reference. For a full reference of the birth story, you can re uh, read chapters one and two. Uh, it's important because the look back will always help us understand the look forward, uh, to begin to even grasp how we're woven into God's redemption story. So we look back at these scriptures of old to notice the patterns, to understand the characteristics of God, and find those similarities to compare them to present time today. Uh, we'll look at these challenges and study them now. So Matthew chapter 1, you'll see the genealogy of Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, uh, and it traces Abraham through Isaac. Uh, but I'll pick it up in verse 16. Jacob and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but 
before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh, in this passage, uh, there's the reference from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Uh, you'll see it, there's also a reference to the divided tribes of Judah and Israel. And you see the lineage of David in the succession of kings. The tribe was split. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. But this study of 42 generations is a challenge because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things that they didn't trust in. There, there's sin of all kinds. There's war and destruction. Because as we pick it up uh, in Luke verse 32, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Again, it's important to look back so that we know how to go forward and a remembrance, you will, of why it all started. There are moments ordained in heaven that are destined by God to come to earth. So port number one, first the setting and then the greeting. Uh, so verse 26 through 29. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. God has always chosen the most humble of vessels from the most humble of places to give birth to his word. Mary had no rights, no power, yet she, was, uh, she, she said yes. And we can read this in the Old Testament. She was not the first person that God would use to bring forth his promises, but she did say yes. Do you think she really understood what it meant when she said yes? Did she have any idea that her yes and obedience to God's will for her life, what it would do for the world? Nevertheless, she said yes, yes to God who desired to work through her. And in the first few verses, we confirm the continuation of the Davidic lineage of God's chosen. The story unfolds with the Virgin Mary, Joseph from the house of David, the angel Gabriel, Elizabeth, and of course God. Uh, so it's important to note in Jewish culture, being engaged or promised in marriage was a legally binding relationship that could only be dissolved through an official legal divorce. Though the couple were not yet married, the obligations were the same as if they were married. They, they did not live together, but remained abstinent and pure out of respect for the sacred unity of marriage. So reference Matthew 1, 18, 24 to read Joseph's account and how he accepts Jesus as his son. Because after Mary was found to be pregnant, the angel of the Lord had to appear in, uh, appeared to him in a dream. So let's look at Elizabeth, verse 26. Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah, but had no children. And both of them were well along in years. However, clearly a humble and righteous family, chapter 1, verse 5, Zechariah was a priest. Thus, Elizabeth is the wife of a priest and truly devoted to God and serving him. So in chapter 1, we see this picture of a priest receiving the message from the angel Gabriel, declaring they would bear a son to be named John. Luke 1, 13, 15, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a great joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
He is never to take wine or other ferment to drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. So when we pick it up in verse 26, Elizabeth is six months along because God is already moving in the lives of Elizabeth and Zechariah. The story is unfolding uh, because with the move of God and others, God is moving closer to us. When we see God moving in the lives of others, he is surrounding us as well. Verse 28, God was already in Mary's heart. The angel said to her, greetings, you are highly favored. Rejoice, favored woman. What a wonderful greeting. Look at, uh, other translations say uh, highly favored one, but the message version, here it says, upon entering, Gabriel greeted her, good morning, you're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out, God be with you. How wonderful. That's a clear indicator that Mary is walking with the Lord and she's talking with him. He is in her heart. He is on her mind. Maybe she was contemplating his glory for her will in her life, but I want to imagine what was Mary doing in the days leading up to the visitation of the angel? What was she thinking about? What was she praying for? What was she planning for our life? You see, beloved, Mary has a relationship with God, and we too have to have a relationship with him. Like Mary, your faithfulness and devotion to God will affect generations to come in ways you may never live to see. Just as food and drink go into the body as nourishment, we need to spend time with God as our spiritual nourishment. Just as our physical bodies need to be fed daily, we need to spend time just talking to God. Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Verse 29, she wondered. Again, let's look at and imagine Mary, a young maiden, maybe walking in the daytime, on her way somewhere. But the angel started first started talking to her. The angel first initiated this conversation, which startled her. Because again, think about it. Mary was not waiting for a visitation from the angel. <laughs> she wasn't walking thinking, oh, I'm going to meet an angel today. No. But maybe she was praying. Maybe, maybe she was uh, asking God for favor. Maybe she was asking for God to bless her new marriage in the season that she was, that she was about to enter. But the application question is, what do you ponder over? What's consuming your thoughts day to day? And are you mindful of your thoughts and what you're thinking? Our journey through life presents challenges, conflicts, and choices. Now, there are energizing experiences that will propel us forward, but there's also contemplation uncertainty and testing. So, promise to peace number one, when you are with God, he is with you. Good. The posture of your heart makes sacrifice possible. Point number two, the, the messenger angel Gabriel and the announcement from the Lord. Uh, here is verse 30 through 34. But the angel said to her, be not afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So here it is. The first record that it's time. God has been preparing this moment since the beginning, and now he's ready to send his beloved son. 
So look at uh, John 1, verses 1 through 13. Uh, I couldn't edit this, so I'm just going to read it in full. I'll be reading the NIV version. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. It's important to note born of God because it further develops, justifies, and clarifies his life and the meaning behind the cross. We've been there 10,000 years. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Verse 30. Uh, it's important to note the divine conception because the Lord's heavenly must come through the restoration of man. Psalm 51, verse 5 and 6. And this is... Uh, the famous psalm uh, by King David uh, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Verse 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. So again, just imagine Mary, a peasant girl, awaiting to, re to be a wife, receives the message and assignment. And Mary was strong. She was facing death and execution by being pregnant outside of her proposed marriage. The turmoil, the stress, the anxiety that she may have faced from the outside world. And she enters into seclusion because she needs to protect the promise God has given her. You have to protect your peace. But let me take it a step further. And I was at my computer desk just thinking about the message. And the Holy Spirit says to me, you have to pray over it. And so he says, you must protect your peace as you pray over your promise. So beloved, pray over your loved one. Pray over that situation, your coworkers at work. Pray over your kids. Pray over that situation, the things that keep you up at night. You have to pray over it. You name it, pray over it. Uh, so next, restoring the throne of David. Verse 32, Jesus was sired by the Holy Spirit, not mired by sin. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The king the people were looking for and the promise of the kingdom is not what they expected. The birth of Christ was unlike anything the world had ever witnessed before. And the tribes of Israel were already lost in darkness and lost in their sin. Because you see, Jesus is eternal. He was aware of the beginning, the past, the future, and all that, because God knows all. 
He's aware because he's the guide in our life. And if we understand the nature and circumstance of, of the Son of the Most High, then again, we can begin to understand why Jesus is salvation for all people. It takes more than a bloodline, ancestry from Abraham to be called a child of God. Jesus is the light of the world, the Holy Son of God and Savior of all who turn to him in faith for salvation, regardless of ethnicity, gender, or socioeconomic status. You see, beloved, we cannot earn our, our salvation. We cannot work out our redemption, and we are only the recipient of grace. This is why the name of Jesus is, is so important. God needed to send his Holy Spirit through him as counselor, prince of peace. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, and I'm going to say this plainly, and if you disagree, we can, we can talk after church. Uh, but it is okay to, go with, to take your questions and go to God with him. It is okay to go to God with your questions and question your will for his life, because God knows I have. You know, we've been praying for childlike faith. And in this building that we call City Church, it did not look like this 10 years ago. It was unoccupied, it was unkempt, and then frankly, it was unimpressive. It was vacant and blight. But here comes City Church, loving God and loving others to not just become caretakers of this building, but God then becomes caretaker of our salvation. So therefore, beloved, promise to peace number two, be not afraid. Because look back at verse 28. If you look back, you understand verse 30. The Lord is with her. That as you walk with God, he has a wonderful way of walking with us and he will order our steps. Therefore, be not afraid. Because peace is moving from faith to believing to knowing. Number three, the Holy Spirit, God's word, and his people. Verse, uh, verses 37 or 35 through 37. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Here it is, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always leads his children when we receive the message of Jesus and act on his truth. And God holds us accountable for our faith because it's necessary for the Holy Spirit to equip, enable, and engage with others to know the goodness of God. The fulfillment of God's promise is the Holy Spirit because God fills God's promises. The Holy Spirit will lead her through this journey. And in your assignment and calling, the Holy Spirit will see you through. It's such a strong point because the power of the Holy Spirit will not only overshadow Mary, it overshadows Jesus. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, which leads me to my next point, that God's people are peacemakers. God puts people around you to confirm the Holy Spirit living in you. Look at verse 36. I know it's simple, but I don't want you to miss it. 
as we're walking in favor, in prayer, in deep contemplation of the gift of grace, it is others that remind us of how good God is, having faith in the good news, the good news of the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit in Mary meets the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth, and her belly leaps, Luke 1:41, and they both know it's the Lord, because to assist his children, God sends saints into this world to guide his children. And all the worrying dissipates, you feel acceptance, and God confirms his will in others and in you. Because peace is bigger than yourself. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You find peace, your spouse finds peace, your kids find peace, your co-workers find peace. Everyone begins to recognize Jesus in you. And then you can share that gift with others, that real gift of faithfulness over approval. And I thank you for the prayer warriors in this house, that there are people here to your left and to your right that are before you and behind you that will walk through you and that will help you walk through life. Look at Mary and Elizabeth, because peace is not individual, it's unified. We can share in peace, living in peace. The Holy Spirit creates that unity. There are people we are assigned to as family, friends, co-workers, to be a peacemaker to. And the signs of the Holy Spirit are not only evident in you as an individual, it is also when we collectively gather together, we have shalom, completeness. So I recently had lunch uh, with my dear sister, and we were. she reminded me that it all points to Jesus, that her whole life story, Mary's story, our story, beloved, that we are all part of the story of Christ. And in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, giving all acknowledgement to God, and in the middle of that crowded diner, our bellies leaped and love abounds. You see, God sends others to let us know that we're not alone and that his promises are true. Verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. Uh, so in my personal uh, library, I have a copy of the Nelson Mandela biography. It's like this big. Uh, and I have to admit, I haven't read everything on my bookshelf because, as Shonda Rhimes says, you can never have too many books. And so I've just collected so many things over the years, my favorite authors, biographies, some of my favorite books. Uh, so I've kept Nelson Mandela's biography, and recently I started to trot through it. Uh, now, if you're not a reader, there's a movie about his life called The Long Walk to Freedom, and it truly is moving and inspiring reading his life story. But like God's word... The Bible is the story of God. Now, the human heart hasn't changed too much, so don't wait to pick up God's word. Read it now. Read of his promises. And as you read God's word, it moves us from faith to belief to knowing him, to know who God is for you. Psalm 12, verse 6, And the words of the Lord are flawless like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. See, once we see the process, then we can pray our pathway to peace. So promise to peace number three, God's plan for peace will not fail. Parts of the plan include the Holy Spirit, his people, and his word. Work the plan.
So in conclusion, there are lessons and promises of peace both then and now. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Humble thyself, beloved. Humble thyself. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. That's why grace is so amazing, because grace saved a wretch like me. So I looked upon this last year, and there was loss in the family, mourning, there was sickness, there was pain, there was heartache, I had disappointment, there was anger there, I found frustration and regret, and I have to admit, family, I was tired all the time, and I grew weary, and I stumbled and I fell. But I had to humble myself in the sight of the Lord, accept my calling of where I am, and then praise his presence. And I found that all of his promises are true. That he will lift you up. I know it. I know he will. Because he did it for me. He will and he can. Because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see that Jesus will lift you up because he's got that kind of power. He will and he can bring us up out of our mighty dust, take you by the hand and lift you up. And I just want to tell you that Jesus is real peace. But the application question is, do you want to do as well? Do you want to do what God wants you to do? Have you prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, most people want to know the will of God before they say yes. <laughs> Tell me what it is first before I say yes. <laughs> but you know, 95% of knowing the will of God is being willing to do it before you know what it is. To do it. To do his will. And I couldn't leave, God gave me this last night, I couldn't leave without that last sentence, then the angel left her. God is a God of already. He is an already God. If he is God of all, he is God already. So as soon as Mary uttered her prayer, God already did it. Once that prayer is ushered to the Lord as an act of obedience, then begins her sacrifice to honor God's will and really start to walk with God. But God has already worked it out. That's real peace. So just remember, beloved, if God is already, then peace is to live out our calling. So let us pray. Lord, dear Lord, we really love you. You've done so much for us. Lord, you have been there with us to work things out, to turn it all around. And so we throw up our hands and praise you again and again and again and sing hallelujah. And I know it's not much, Lord, but I have nothing else fit for a king except my heart and hallelujah.
Salvation and glory to you, Lord God. Honor and power because you are wonderful. Mighty, all praises be to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise you, Jesus, for you are mighty, you are magnificent, and you are wonderful. We thank you for hope. We thank you for peace. We thank you for joy. We thank you for love. Jesus, we love you more than anything, but we know you love us more. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.